I'm Gabby. I'm a senior library assistant, and my favorite fictional librarian is Evie Carnahan from The Mummy. Hi, I'm Amanda. I'm a children's librarian, and my favorite fictional librarian is Barbara Gordon from Batgirl. And I'm Brittany. I'm a library services supervisor, and my favorite fictional librarian is Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And this is the Ask Us Desk. Kind of a random aside, I saw that Elliot Page came out on Twitter yes, today with a really yay, lovely Elliot. letter. So yes. I wanted to say congratulations to friend of the podcast, Elliot Page. <laughs> <laughs> We're just having everyone be a friend of the podcast. <laughs> um, best of luck to him going forward from here. I thought that yes. letter was very lovely. Yes, it was. Yeah. And today we are talking about fake news and the role that libraries may or may not be able to play in the role of deciphering what is fake information. Fake news, just as a general definition for the purposes of this podcast, is false information presented as if it is news. That's not, to be clear, that's not news that you don't want to hear or opinions expressed by newscasters or other famous people, nor is it media bias. So fake news is when someone invents factually inaccurate information and presents it as if it is true. So calling something like CNN fake news is not really correct. Um, but saying something like, I don't know, there was election fraud when there wasn't, that could be fake news. Um, I agree. I like so it. yeah. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Um, in terms of fake news in libraries, I'm interested to know if what experience you may have had either formally or informally trying to help people navigate fake news. Um, I know that in the past I've taught a few different computer related classes and especially ones that have to do with social media, um, like social media marketing, but also Facebook, Twitter. They're, all of those are intro basic classes. And one of the first things you always go over is information literacy you know, teaching them like, hey, this is how you can check to make sure, you know, your information, you know, you're not giving out too, too much information and you're not going to be harmed by whatever you provide. But also learning like the ins and outs, like here's how you can do things safely. Here's how you can, if you only want it um, to become friends, like on Facebook with people that you actually know, which I recommend, don't add people you don't know. So there were things like that. And then I've, I'm sure you all have as well have had just people come up to you when you're working the desk and have had problems like maybe with their own personal laptops or on the public computers and you're looking at it like uh wait how did you find this website what is this that you're looking at and students when you're helping them with research I feel like there's a lot of helping them make sure you know like look at verified sources you need to find unbiased articles if you can yeah, I've taught a fake news course at a senior center before, and kind of like what you were talking about, Brittany, is like it's super basic, basic stuff. Like for seniors, using technology can be really difficult. They never learned how, some of them, and so like now they're just, they're trying to get in on these new fangled computer thingies. Um, often with these classes, even though we advertise, this is a fake news class, like how to decipher information literacy online, it ends up becoming a, how do I use the mouse? How do I click on the internet button to make the internet go <laughs> um, kind of class? Yeah. Because that's the level that 
I'm typically working with at a yes. public library day to day. Really basic things like general information literacy concepts. How, what is this website that you're on? Like, what's the URL? What's the URL, you ask? It's that thing in the address bar. What's an address bar? Okay, here we go. <laughs> so it, it's as basic as like trying to show them if, if it's a website that they're familiar with. If it's not, then to look at the about page or the contact information or to look at any of that kind of stuff that indicates whether or not this is a real website or whether or not this is a, a website that generates fake news articles, because there are some out there, or if it's even like a parody website like The Onion, a lot of times mm. people will confuse that with real news. In fact, I think our some of our local newspapers, I think one time The Stranger posted a, a, a satire article about something, and it just made me so mad because how do people tell anymore? <laughs> you know, it's really frustrating to be somebody who's not information literate and then to have like a trusted news source that posts something that's satirical without saying, you know, like, hey, this is satire. It's just sort of like in line with all of their other articles. Hmm. It's irresponsible, in my opinion. <laughs> um, so... It's hard to tell, but yeah, it's absolutely. And I think too, it's not just seniors. I think there's there's definitely a technology gap, an information literacy gap in in other age groups as well. And I always think of this one particular patron I had many years ago, but she had asked me to come over and help her on her computer. And she was filling out this form with a lot of very personal information. And the first question she asked me, she was like, what color do you think my eyes are? Which kind of took me aback because I mean, most people know their own eye color, right? So I kind of asked her, well, what is, you know, hey, you know, what's up? What's happening here? And she was filling out all of this information for, she had won, air quotes, a modeling competition from another state. This guy had sent her an email. She had clicked through to the link and was providing all sorts of information. And she was not, she was probably in her late thirties. So I sort of had to guide her through, well, did you apply for this competition? Was this something? No, it just, you know, it just happened. It just came through my email. Okay, well, let's look a little bit more into this contest, you know, just to make sure, cause this is like, and it, because she just, she just had no idea that it was, it could, it could yeah. be fake. It could be something that could harm her. Yeah. Thank God you were there. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I was going to say, this is similar. It's not internet, but it was actually over the phone and it was on my personal phone. I had somebody yesterday, yesterday, the day before yesterday, call me. It was, a, and I don't answer the phone if I don't know, recognize the number. It's like whenever someone comes to the door, I don't answer it unless I know someone's coming over or if it's a package or food being delivered. <laughs> if I don't know you, I'm not talking to you. And there, I kept getting though over and over again, um, a phone call from the same number I didn't recognize. So finally I answered it and it sounded like an older woman. And she's like, you keep calling me. And I was like, no, ma'am, you called me. I just, I just answered the phone. And she's like, no, a number, if this phone number keeps calling me and I got a voicemail or the person on the phone said it had to do with my social security. And I was like, mm. okay, well, that was a scam. Um, so I was like, there's, there's a way that people are using other people's cell phone numbers as a way to like call 
other people mm-hmm. and scam them basically and I'm having this conversation with her it was a short conversation but she was just like oh and I was like yeah I was like it's not me if you're getting phone calls from this number and I gave her my number that is a scam I'm not I don't I'm it was not me this is my personal number and she's like okay thank you so much so it's now gotten to where it's like spread in all these different ways and there's people like y'all, you both said that, that are not as technologically savvy or there's this technology gap uh, who just, they don't know and they're giving out personal information because they're trusting. And so I think as librarians, I like that we're able to educate people and help them. Well, there might be some things that are above our pay grade, like things like deep fakes or things that yeah. are designed in such a seamless, flawless way to purposefully trick even the most use internet user-savvy person. I think even with that, you can still do things like verify the source. Like often when I click on a link, you know, sometimes if I'm like, this seems a little fishy, I'll actually go to the website and type it in or go Google search for the official website. So for instance, I got, since I Uh, used to live in Tarrant County, I got a text message about COVID. And I was like, this looks like spam. So I went and I looked at Tarrant County's official website. And sure enough, they had sent a text message alerting everybody to all of the COVID uh, testing centers and resources in the area. And it was a legitimate text. So like, that's kind of one example of a way that you can do something and think like, this looks really official. It takes me to an official looking website, but I'm still not sure. You can just Google what the official website is on a different device, look at it and say, oh, this matches. This is the same information. So that's like, there, there are ways that you can help people navigate these things, even if they're highly sophisticated, deep fake type thing. Well, deep fakes are specifically videos. So those, those you can just, you just have to research and do like searches on um, different articles from different news sources to see, you know, if they've updated whether or not they could detect um, if the video had been edited or not. Um, sometimes they can. Yeah. Or you can just research to what was said in the video, you know, like mm-hmm. if it was saying something, you're like, well, this sounds odd. Look around at different places and see, is it at any other sources that are reputable and that you can trust? Yeah. I think that's all really great stuff. There are a couple of um, articles for further reading if you're a nerd and want to continue thinking about this. Um, in Scientific American, they just published an article called Information Overload Helps Fake News Spread and Social Media Knows It. And it's by Flippo Menser and Thomas Hills. Um, and that article is really interesting about just like how very recently social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter have finally started cracking down on fake news articles and, and uh, accounts, I guess, which like would have really come in, in handy like four years ago. <laughs> but I'm glad they're um, at least trying to combat that a little bit. Yeah. Did y'all see on Instagram how they have closed? I don't know if it still has, but during the election and as far as like a couple days ago, even if you put hashtags, the latest posts with hashtags, hashtags were not showing up because they didn't want um, any fake like election news information to be getting out there. So they just shut down all of the hashtags. Hmm. Yeah. And I have mixed thoughts on that because I'm like, okay, like I get it. But at the same time, I'm just like, is this really the right way to go about this? 
I don't know. Yeah, I had mixed feelings about that as well, because it not only blocked that out, but it blocked everything out, including resources and other movements that are trying to, you know, spread information and gather momentum, etc. I didn't realize it was still happening. Like, that's a long time to to sort of block one of the main ways that people find information on your platform. And I think, I don't know, I, part of me feels like it's a form of censorship and I don't think that that helps. Yeah, I just looked, it's still giving you the notice that says recent posts from all hashtags are temporarily hidden to help prevent the spread of possible false information and harmful content related to the election. And I'm like, is this gonna be up until Biden is officially sworn in? (laughs) Like, what is going on? Interesting. Because, I mean, I st- I know that there are still a lot of people out there that believe that there's, you know, huge election fraud and that mm. Biden didn't really win. There are still so many people that are out there that believe that. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> I, I don't really know how, but, like, this article was talking about how information overload can make it to where people don't do the very simple things even that they could do to combat fake news or false information. Yeah. You just, it takes two seconds to Google a thing and see that it's not true, but also baked into this is the idea that you can't trust news sources and different things like that. Mm -hmm. And so like the only people you can trust are these like sketchy Facebook groups that like, you know, know the proud boys facebook group or whatever is like the only trusted source of information and it's very confusing and alarming yeah Yeah. i mean i would like for us to share some tips with people though um if we can on maybe it's just basic stuff but on ways that people can like do some quick research um maybe you know you see somebody has shared something and it's like a loved one or a friend or whatever and you're like that doesn't look right so if you want to do your own research, I think we talked about like the whole URL thing already, you know, like if it's .edu or .org or .gov, those are usually more reliable than versus like, I mean, .com is not bad. I mean, there's some stuff that's on .com that are fine, but look and see, you know, where the source is coming from, you know, if it's from, you know, a university or um, like how Amanda mentioned earlier, a true news source then i would think that that would be more trustworthy but then people have such skewed thoughts on what they do consider news like that's trustworthy yeah and even within that sub bracket you can look and see if things are confirmed by other Mm -hmm. news sites so if you know if cnn reports something and then you find the same thing reported on Fox News. They might have different commentary or different takes on what it means for America or whatever, right. but you know that the underlying information is correct because like, it's been reported in multiple places. Right. So that's what I was going to say. I would, I would su- highly suggest becoming comfortable verifying information from multiple sources. Take that extra couple of minutes. I think so many times people will stop at one, one source and say, oh, well, so-and-so said the one thing. 
well, that may be, but just like Amanda said, you know, has it been confirmed from other sources? <laughs> there are some uh, fact-checking websites, you know, like I know there's Snopes yes. and there's a few others that you can go to and it'll tell you if it's factual, partly factual, partly false, um, just flat out false, uh, needs context, whatever, and it'll go into more of a description of it. And there are some other sites that are like Snopes that you can go to to see you know, the quick fact checks as well. I wouldn't recommend only using Snopes. I, I, if you have the time and you can um, do like we were mentioning before by looking and see if you can verify it at several different sources. And also just like look at who the author of an article is, click on them, see all the other articles that they've written um, and, and things like that. Like it, it takes time to figure out whether or not these things are real information, but I think it's worth it, especially if you are doubting the context or the story based on the sensational headline to take those yeah. few extra steps. Yeah. And if you see that they're quoting from someone or somewhere, you can look that up what they're quoting from usually it'll be like an image or there's like some data or statistics like that they say are coming from some state website it takes seconds to go and verify some of that yeah and some people will misconstrue misconstrue the stats or the data and or it's just a lie and they're just trying to give a false narrative about something um so you can do stuff like that and if you don't want to do the research you can ask your local librarian. We love doing this stuff and we get paid to do it. We can help. <laughs> and also as a further reading, I uh, will recommend Why Librarians Can't Fight Fake News by M. Connor Sullivan from the Journal of Librarianship and Information Science. If you're looking for a contrarian take. What are y'all reading right now? I'm currently reading A Promised Land by Barack Obama. Ooh. The 700 plus pages, only volume one, or possibly even <laughs> of X number of volumes, a memoir of his uh, legacy as president, um, his term in office. Um, I believe I'm about on page 200 and something of this extremely long book. Like it is a thick boy and it has... <laughs> thin pages almost like I was saying like a dictionary or like a bible you know those like really thin yeah. like I'm afraid to turn the page <laughs> I don't want to rip it <laughs> um it is a long book but he is a good writer so it's pretty it moves along yeah is it good yeah so far so good I think it'll be interesting to read all of it and kind of see his perspective and his point of view and to like educate myself a little bit because I don't yeah. think I was totally dialed into his presidency. I, I think that that's kind of the benefit of having someone who appears to know what they're doing <laughs> is that you yeah. can kind of let them do what they do and not pay too much attention. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it'll be interesting to read and see um, all the different things that he faced. I mean, there are some things that were familiar to me like already and I basically just got to the part where he was elected. Um, and that's 200 pages in um, <laughs> so you can see why this needs to be multiple volumes um, but yeah it's a fascinating read uh, I am currently reading a novella okay for something completely different <laughs> <laughs> called Infernal Affairs by Jordan L. Hawk and it is um, 
It is a queer romance, and it is also unusual uh, because the two main characters are a non-binary individual and a demon, a crossroads <laughs> demon. And it is utterly delightful. Uh, the banter is hilarious. I wish it was longer and not just novella. It's got a lot of nods to like crossroad demon lore and mythology, I suppose, if you will, which I'm learning that I knew more about than I thought I did. Hmm. Things I didn't know that I knew. But yeah, so the two main characters, uh, Ralgath and Chess, are hilarious. There's a giant hellhound called Fluffpaw. Uh, yeah, it's it's adorable, and I'm loving it. Aww. It fits you, I feel like, as a reader. <laughs> it does. It really does. <laughs> um, so I finished two books yesterday, and I have a book that I'm about to start today, but I just have not had time to read yet so um i don't really know much about my technical current read it's alana the first adventure by tamora pierce it's the first in the song of the lioness series i know it's a classic ya fantasy series um and i've only heard really good things about it um but it's if i understand correctly about the synopsis it's about this young girl who um she wants to become a knight and um she kind of has to face like you know she's not she's a girl and not a boy and just in this fantasy world you know have either of you read it before i don't think so no it sounds familiar but no (laughs) okay yeah i've basically flipped through all of those tamara pierce books and been like oh someday yeah read these (laughs) yeah yeah, I'm doing it because so I do the Pop Sugar Reading Challenge every year, and I have like three prompts that I need to fill, three or four by the end of the by the, in this month, and this fills one of them. And I've owned it for so long; it's been on my shelf. I have the whole series, okay, and <laughs> not read any of them. And so I was like, you know what? I'll I'll finally pick it up and I'll read it. But so that's technically my current read. So that was A Promised Land by Barack Obama. Infernal Affairs by Jordan L. Hawk. And Alana, The First Adventure by Tamora Pierce. We are the Ask Us Desk because we answer your questions about libraries, librarians, and library services, as well as anything else you'd like to ask us. You can reach us at askuspod at gmail.com or at askuspod on Twitter and Instagram. So hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. So let's talk about what questions we've got today. So today I have scoured the r slash librarians on Reddit and come up with four questions librarians are seeking the answers to. And didn't we get a question on Twitter? Oh, we did. I forgot about that. Oh, we actually Shut got up, a really? question from, <laughs> it was from Mary, up. wasn't it? It was from Mary. <laughs> She's a friend of the podcast. Thank friend you, Friend of the podcast. Yay, Mary. Mary. <laughs> Get so excited. Someone actually asks a question. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. So, <laughs> I love her Twitter handle right now. Cran Mary Sauce <laughs> adds Knox Diver. K-N-O-X-D-I-V-E-R on Twitter asked, I have a question for y'all. What are your favorite and least favorite digital services for libraries, both media, ebooks, audio, 
and not study materials, crafts, et cetera? And what are some services that are underrated? What's overrated? Ooh. Dang, all right. <laughs> um, I guess I'll go first. Um, media, I love Hoopla. I, I just, I like that it has everything. I like that I never have to wait for something to be returned. I can instantly get it. I don't love like that there's a limit of how much I can download or check out a month. Um, but yeah, I love downloading comic books on there. I do a lot of my audiobooks. Um, yeah, Hoopla is great. And so that's probably my favorite media um, serv- digital service. For crafts, um, I really like, whoa, why am I forgetting the name of this? So apparently I don't like it that much. <laughs> What's the new craft one that we got, Gabby? Oh shoot. Uh or doodle doodle bug? I'm totally making that up. <laughs> okay, let's <laughs> okay. Cut off this part. <laughs> no, don't leave it. <laughs> doodle bug. Creative bug. Hey, uh, there's a bug in it. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty close. <laughs> yeah. So creative bug is a great one. I believe it's through Michael's. Um, the craft store, but there's tons of videos on there. Everything from woodworking, baking, creating, um, cooking, knitting, all kinds. And it's from like beginner level to, you know, if you want, you know, you're really good at sewing and you want to learn how to sew like something, you know, more intricate or more difficult than it would be for the, you know, first person learning how to use a sewing machine. Um, but it's great. And they're usually short videos that are really easy to follow. Basically, if you use YouTube to learn how to do things, Creative Bug is up your alley. You will love it. What about you, Gabby? Um, I really love Overdrive um, and or Libby. Um, I think it's my go-to for eBooks and e-audio. I do wish it had video. I'm slowly coming over to the Hoopla side. Join Uh, us. (laughs) <laughs> we have movies <laughs> and music that's true and music I think I've used overdrive pretty much since the beginning um I taught a lot of overdrive so I'm very familiar with the the nooks and crannies of it I think it's very user-friendly <laughs> especially now with some of the more recent updates they've made to it I think it's super user-friendly it's easy to recommend titles to your library were you making a nook joke like the <laughs> oh my god i want to say that i was i didn't mean to but i love it <laughs> all the nooks and kindles of the overdrive account hey. <laughs> nice some library humor for you <laughs> i also really like lynda.com yeah. um, as far as the business and or training side they've got all the way to stuff like photography or customer service it's a really great resource if you're looking to boost your resume. I will say, I think the thing I don't like, the only one that comes to mind is it really frustrates me that uh, with Ancestry.com, if you're into genealogy, um, you have to go into the library. Now, I will mm-hmm. say during, <laughs> during part of COVID, Ancestry played nice and allowed people to log in with their library information from home, which was phenomenal. But I think that has reverted back to, you can only use it in library now. And I think genealogy fans 
nationwide would rejoice if they could just log into it from home using their library card. So if you're listening, any representative from Ancestry, maybe we could work that out. <laughs> <laughs> I totally missed the question about which of the services are overrated. Do you have an answer for that? <laughs> well, let me think on it. I'll let you answer, Amanda. <laughs> yeah, I think um, my favorite media service would be a tie between Libby because I just love audiobooks and so I love using Libby for that and also Canopy because I'm a bit of a film nerd so I love watching old movies and Canopy has a wide variety of old movies and new really new stuff too like all of the A24 films like we've talked about before I'm just always surprised like pleasantly surprised by what's on there I should probably oh what were you gonna say I was going to say that I would think Canopy is one that's underrated. Not a lot of people know about it. Yeah, I would say it is underrated as well. Um, I found a lot of really good horror movies when I was like on my horror movie binge. And I was just going to say that I kind of want to see what kind of Christmas movies they have because I've exhausted my uh, Hulu, Netflix. Um, I was like, yep, I watched that one last year. Watched that one last year. <laughs> so it might be a good place to look for that. I don't know if they have anything or not, but yeah. I will find out non-media related yeah i also love lynda.com i've taken some courses on lynda for like mentorship all the way to like comic book artistry and just random random stuff they have crafting stuff on lynda too um, all sorts of cool stuff that's my long answer i don't think i have one that i think is overrated oh i also want to give a shout out to something i think is underrated which is mango languages I have so many people who come in and ask for Rosetta yeah. and I'm like, have you met a mango? <laughs> they've just, they've got such a variety. Um, and they also have like fun things like a uh, pirate. <laughs> so, you know, if you want to speak French and like a pirate, uh, check out mango languages. <laughs> now I'm trying to, I'm picturing a pirate speaking with a French accent. I can't even <laughs> begin to process what that would sound like. Wee oui, wee oui, baguette. Arg. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of one. I guess Rosetta Stone I would consider overrated because um, similar to Ancestry.com, you don't really get the full full access with the library version of Rosetta Stone. So I would recommend like Mangle Languages or ask your library what language learning databases that they have. Well, I have some other questions. Thank you, Mary, for our first <laughs> listener question. So Mary, exciting. Woo. <laughs> so let's see. So from r slash librarians on Reddit, we have a post by user BTHUG27. How can I take my library's marketing to the next level? Since we have a communications supervisor oh. with us, <laughs> we might be able to answer this. So here's the full kind of spiel from this question. Social media is running, updated daily. We interact with our community there. We are well-versed in, I am well-versed in graphic design. So all images are contemporary. We have a new website and a new app. We send out email newsletters regularly, but how can I take it to the next level to get more people into programs, more checkouts, and more new library card holders? Oh God, I feel like this is one of the eternal questions just in general about marketing, not just libraries, but marketing in general. I mean, it sounds like they're doing a good job. 
but also what this person's saying about um, their goal is to get more people to programs, more checkouts, and more new library card holders. I also want people to take in consideration like the time that we are currently living in. Um, so I really think people are screened out. Like if you're doing a lot of marketing through your social media or your websites and your emails, which is what we're having to resort to because that's the way that best way to get information out. I don't think people are really wanting to look at those sources because they're having to use their screens for work and for school all the time right now. And maybe for entertainment, like with TV, um, playing video games, you know, what, different types of, or just social, fun social media. I, I say give yourself a little bit of a leeway because it's already hard during normal times to get people to come into the library if they're not regular card holders or to get new library card signups. So I just wanted to have that caveat and say that, but some other sources, maybe you could do like a postcard campaign. Um, but you can do, um, if you're wanting the new library card holders, look and see if you can get information on uh, when people move into the area and you can send out kind of like a, hey, we're your local library. Here's some resources that you can have access to with the library card. For social media, I wouldn't make it where it's just marketing for your programs and for your services. Have some fun stuff on there. Share funny memes. Um, share some fun videos. Maybe some behind the scenes stuff. Post what you think you would want to see if you were following that page or the Twitter or Instagram or whatever. I know that whenever I follow organizations or businesses or libraries, I don't want it to just be like, you know, boring, like ads basically all the time. I'm wanting some fun, engaging content. So maybe you can be like, hey, this is, what are you currently reading? Or here's a funny bookish meme, or here's a fun, you know, what literary character are you quiz? Things like that. There's a place where people are meeting virtually already. Yeah. Try and have like a, where a moment inside of that to like carve out. So people aren't having to do an extra thing. They're mm -hmm. able to just kind of like, get this information doing something they're already doing. And yeah. I would say that it's either two extremes. Either you will have people practically begging you to come and do something because they're tired of providing uh, <laughs> content um, in the case of some teachers, <laughs> or you'll have people who are very resistant to the idea because they only yeah. get so much time with their students or with their group or whatever it is. So there's two kind of, um, versions of that but you can at least hope to hit on somebody who is desperate to have you come and help them uh, fill up their time and provide good meaningful educational yeah stuff for their uh, group of people that they're working with yeah. so you can try and do that and that will also help you target different communities i'm dropping into this um housing community they're like diaper distribution uh that they've got going on maybe i can put flyers in there that speaks to things that they might be interested in specifically that the library has to offer something like that yeah basically do, find ways you can do outreach um i i know that we have not been doing much in-person outreach but you can do some virtual outreach which is kind of like what you're saying amanda too like maybe you can do some virtual um like stuff with schools like hey here you can maybe even do like a video like a short, fun, entertaining video that can then be sent out to the school or the school librarians. Yeah, and I think 
maybe this person is specifically like a, a communications marketing person for a library and maybe they don't have the latitude to do that kind of work. But yeah, give the tools to your librarians and your uh, library staff that does that kind of work, you know, yeah, help them make a cute video or yeah, use your expertise to create uh, flyers that are attractive or what have you. Yeah. All right, our next question comes from Reddit as well. And it is help with toxic work environments and bullying. I'm in a position where my regional manager is bullying my branch. We have been yelled at, written up based on rumors, humiliated, and accused of not being loyal to our library system. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) What? I have so many questions. Go on, sorry. (laughs) It's like a little fiefdom. You have not been loyal to the crown. Uh, an employee at another branch filed a complaint that our regional manager and someone in a and someone in HR passed everything along to the regional manager. Uh, another employee told a friend from another region about this, and they got reprimanded because they took problems in quotes outside the region. What can any of us do? Our county doesn't recognize unions. We already have had numerous people quit. Those of us who are left are cons- reconsidering our very careers over this. None of us who are left want to uh, deal with this. All right, so what are your thoughts on that? <sighs> so, yeah, that's tricky because it seems like even whenever it's try- they've tried to go the route of like with HR, it just goes back to the regional manager. And I know we've had situations like that before, Gabby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be careful about things. Yeah. Like, yeah, speaking I, very abstractly, none of this is from yeah. our own personal experience. We've yeah. never worked with any terrible bullying managers. We've worked with beautiful, wonderful <laughs> unicorns who give us recommendations for jobs. Who are amazing. Which is true, but also, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'll let y'all go first on this one. <laughs> so, I say, I, yeah. So, that is really tricky, especially since uh, the HR route has already been trod. And I will say this, HR is always going to be there, like most of the time is going to be there to protect the organization and not the individuals. It's just an unfortunate truth. And, and I, man, I feel for you guys. Uh, the next step would be to either take it higher, um, your bypass if it's bad enough, you may have to bypass the chain. Print out emails, make a folder that you do not keep on your work site with any write-ups, anything that's been written down, make copies of it, make a, make a file so that no matter how far up you have to go, you've got your backup and your evidence and your proof. Yeah, I think there's that's a lot of really good advice from both of y'all just... Um... Oh, wait, no. Brittany hasn't uh, weighed in yet, so no good advice from Brittany yet, but (laughs) Gabby's (laughs) advice is good. Documents, documents, documents. Yes, document everything. My gut reaction is um, spend your time at work looking for another job. (laughs) I know that's a lot easier (laughs) said than done. Um, 
and some people, you know, it's hard, it's expensive to move and it's, it's difficult to make those life changes. Take care of yourself. Is there, if, see if there's someone else that is a supervisor that you can talk to about these situations. Um, I would try to, every interaction with this manager, have it um, in writing if possible. So a lot of emails. I'm still confused on what being loyal to a library system means. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> doing something to betray the library. I can't even think of what that would be. Yeah. Uh, hike up our library skirts and join another county system. <laughs> I, like, I, I mean, see you have a county, a different county's library card. Are you using their Libby? <laughs> oh. What, yeah what what does that mean <laughs> yeah yeah I just and I'm just kind of confused also what a regional manager is because I've never worked for a library system that has mm. a regional manager is that like a regional manager like in businesses where they have like a mm. store manager and then there's like a regional manager above them and that regional manager is over several different stores is that who this is if so go to your direct supervisor tell them about these mm. issues doing that well, for instance, my my direct supervisor is a regional manager, <laughs> so it's kind of weird. So the the structure that's this is like the the regional manager thing is really making me think. But then it says county, and we're a city system, so I'm like, never mind. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know who this would be. I don't think this kind of be. And there's no union, yeah, and nobody would put up with this crap at my library system. Yeah, so we have, uh, you know, 27 branches or whatever, and they're divided up into regions. And so each branch has a operations like manager, they're called an assistant manager, not assistant to the manager, but assistant manager. Um, <laughs> and so they manage the branch, but they're not uh, librarians, they don't have um, MLIS degrees, but they manage like the operations the, and they supervise the operation staff, so like the pages and the um, circulation staff. And then there are librarians who do the programming and collection maintenance stuff, that'd be me. And uh, we are managed by the regional uh, manager who manages not only the librarians in the region directly as a supervisor, but also like oversees the overall operations of all the branches. So it's kind of a complicated structure, but basically, yeah, my direct supervisor is a regional manager, but I could go to the next person up, you know, like we have a public services manager, I could go to that person, or I could go to our assistant director or city librarian and lots of Take different- Take it to the top. Take it to the top. But yeah, I, I feel for this person because I mean, basically, at some point, you just have to quit and walk away, despite, you know, even if it feels like that's not an option for you, it's, you have, everyone has a breaking point. Yeah. I know I've, I've worked places where I've been like, nope, yep, this is it. I quit. Yeah. <laughs> Your mental so. health is important. It matters. And yes. You are in a toxic work environment. You spend, if you're, especially if you're full-time, you spend more time with work people and at work than you do with a lot of people, a lot of people in your life. And I will say, if this is your first library job, your first library experience, please know that there are good libraries with good people out there. Um, 
you don't have to reconsider your entire career field. Um, don't let them beat you down. Like it's a good field with good people. All right. Well, now it's time for the one star Goodreads review. As a reminder, this segment is only punching upwards at really popular, famous authors who are crying all the way to the bank that people have rated their works with one star. Um, and as I was thinking about it getting colder and that winter is coming, I thought yeah. it would be better than A Game of Thrones by George R.R. R. Martin. <laughs> so we have a one-star Goodreads review from Sherrar, who rated it back in April of 2012, quite a while ago. I think that might have been before the show, even. I'm sorry. I just couldn't stand this book. I tried to read it once before the show ever came out. Oh, that answers my question. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't get past the part where the brother and the sister, well, you know. <laughs> Valid. <laughs> my favorite part of this review is the shelves that it, he has it on. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the shelves. Violet, comma, no, 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 no. 